You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. Sydney and Scott are newlyweds. She loves this guy right here, and he loves somebody else. You just can't win. And so it goes until the day you die. This thing they call love is going to make you cry. I hate you. I've had the blues, the reds, and the pinks. One thing's for sure. Love stinks? Love stinks! Yeah, yeah! Love stinks! Love stinks! Yeah, yeah! Love stinks? Love stinks! Yeah, yeah! Love stinks! Love stinks! Yeah, yeah! Welcome to Screening in Kingston. Um, that was Love Stinks from The Wedding Singer. Uh, a fantastic movie. Hilarious. Um, thought it was a great uh, great way to kick off the show um, coming this week as Valentine's Day approaches. Um, Mike is here. Uh, Taylor is not, which I'll explain in a second, but we are joined by a special guest, Ben Charland. Yes, Hello, I, am, I am present. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I love Adam Sandler, and I didn't actually see that movie until a few months ago when my <laughs> my fiance showed it to me and she's a big fan and specifically of that of that part of the film yes yeah yeah i i love the uh the, when he goes i hate you yeah in the middle of the song it's it's great it's a great moment um for that character uh ben joins us today uh he has his own podcast and show here on cfrc what on earth is going on do you want yeah. to quickly plug that well, what, in, what on earth is going on, Mike? I mean, that's the question. So, well, I mean, right now there appears to be uh, such a crazy so snowstorm that everyone is freaking out in a way that I, I haven't seen in a long time. And it's one of the reasons why Taylor isn't here. Um, Taylor says uh, she sends a note along and says that she's very sorry she couldn't make it to this week's episode. She's cozy in bed waiting out the latest winter storm she loves all of you and hopes uh, that you will watch some movies today and every day i'm surprised she would s send along a note that says she's cozy in bed i would have thought she would have said oh i'm stuck somewhere I'm... yeah but no no she's just at home no listening. not coming out <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe listening maybe not listening i don't know <laughs> so yeah there you well, go no, maybe the couch or the bed is at work you know Maybe she's snowed in somewhere and yeah. she just happens to have yeah. a comfortable bed where uh, she is. That would be great. I mean, that would be that would be a, an excellent way to spend today because it's, I guess, uh, it's snowing a lot out there. So we probably shouldn't even really be here. Like You're making yourself sound like you never go outside. I, I haven't a lot today, but... Like ever. It's not, The way you just <laughs> phrased that was just like, um, apparently it's snowing outside. Well, <laughs> apparently it's February and in well, February it snows. I, but, but snow to me is not something that ever stops me from going anywhere or doing anything. Anything. like it's not like ice yeah, no, where you're in a lot of danger at least the way that i've seen it like i mean again i'm not going to be driving when i leave here but like the campus is shut down like every store is closing like it seems like it's armageddon out there that's what people seem to be acting like but i look outside and it's like it's snowing it's snowing like, it's, it's february in canada yeah we live in canada like this is kind of part of it so Anyway, yeah, so Ben is joining us here from What on Earth is Going On. He's helping uh, out on the show today. He wants to talk about one of the movies that we saw, The Favorite, 
That's really why yeah, you're here. Yeah, I just sent you a text, that. Mike, and I said, hey, this is a really great movie. You should talk about it on your show. Not obviously assuming that you would, which I should have assumed, uh, because you talk about good movies mm -hmm, on the show mm -hmm. uh, and Oscar favorites, obviously, mm -hmm. and this is apparently one of them. Um, oh, absolutely. I wouldn't know. I, we looked at the Oscar list right before, and maybe this is your chance to plug your, your mm -hmm, Oscar list, I will. but I looked at yeah. it right before this, uh, this you know, uh, episode, and I haven't seen a single movie on there except <laughs> yeah. for the favorite, and then right at the bottom, Visual Effects Award, and I've seen three of the five, like, you know, <laughs> Avengers and a Star Wars story, yeah, yeah. and there was one other one. Yeah. And uh, anyways, so... Um, yeah, on to you, to, to your Oscar thing. Yeah, so um, as Ben has alluded to, and I, we kind of announced on social media this week that we have a big announcement today. Um, so what we're going to be doing is we are doing the first ever, I'm going to call it a Oscars pool, sort of like a, a sports, you know, you can do a football pool or like fantasy football type of thing, but we're going to do this for the Oscars. So how this is going to work is I've set up a website where everyone, you can, anyone, doesn't matter where you are, you don't have to be in Kingston, you could be one of our podcast listeners, you can go on and submit to us who do you think is going to win each and every single category at the Oscars. So how this works is um, we're going to send this out on social media as well. And anyone who's written into the show, we're going to email this back to you and, and send this back to you. But basically, we've set up a website, which is screening in YGK Oscars. YolaSite.com. So it's a long one. That's why we're going to send it out. It's a long website, but we're going to we're going to send it out to people so you have it. Are you going to post this on your social media? Oh yeah, it's going to be go on your social media. It's going to be on it Facebook. There. It's going to be on Instagram, yeah. Twitter. Like tonight and tomorrow, it's going to be out there everywhere, so you can find it. But how this works is all you have to do is you, all you need is an email and your first name. And then you fill out your ballot, which is basically on uh, this page. You just click who do you think is going to win each category. You click the submit button, and that's it. You sent it to us. We'll send you back a copy of your sort of final choices so you can follow along at the Oscars. I know that's what I'll be doing. Um, so you have until Friday, February 22nd to do this. Um, you can email us at any time if you have questions while you're filling this out. But you have a chance to win a lot of great prizes that we've set up, including the winner will get a chance to either come on this show and co-host it with us. Or if you're not in Kingston or you just can't get here, we're going to let you produce a show. Uh, which means you pick all the topics, you pick all the movies that we see, you basically get to control exactly what we say um, that day. So it's a really kind of a cool opportunity to interact and, and be involved in the show. That makes it worth it for me just to watch all of the movies on that list yes. so that I can control you guys like puppets. Absolutely, absolutely. So, But the, now here, here's the little thing. Anyone can enter. I am also entering this. I have done this with groups of friends before. I just don't have as many friends anymore. So I'm uh, when I, when was, watching the Oscars alone this year, this is what I thought I would do: is have a bunch of people enter online. I have never lost this competition. I have never lost. There are 24 categories, I believe. Though this year, four of them aren't going to be aired, but we'll talk about that later. Um, and I usually get between 15 and 18, 19 right. So you also have to beat me in order to win the prize. You can't just, you know, beat everybody else who comes in. You have to have more right than me. So, Mike, I mean, the question is obviously in the air. How do you do it? Um, I just, I know, I get it. I understand the politics behind the Oscars. So I have a sense of who's going to win different categories. And for some of the, like, the key to this competition is not the big categories. 
it's not the big ones. It's all the random ones that like cinematography and film editing that are like super important, but you don't generally hear as much buzz about because you can right now listen and hear buzz about people and make a pick that's probably pretty informed for for one of those big categories but it's scoring big in those other categories that you have to do in order to to win so a lot of that is like who do you think is going to win a certain category they always try to give certain films a little shout out or if a film isn't going to win best picture they try to give it little things elsewhere um so i understand how that works and i'm pretty good at guessing it and i love movies in the oscars so this is like this is a big day for me cool that answers it mike thank you um now i'm gonna apply that knowledge and absolutely try to win absolutely so as i said we'll send the uh we'll send the information out on our social media but you can go there anyone can enter for a chance to win it's a lot of fun as well so just have have fun with it um as well so there you go that's our big announcement oscars competition more to come on that because we'll chat about it next week as well Okay, so uh, before we get into movie reviews, Taylor decided to send along a list for today. Um, Taylor uh, knows how much all of you love lists, um, so she wanted to make sure that we had something themed for today um, in which she decided to put together sort of an anti-Valentine's Day movie list, though some of these have romance in them. But basically she describes it as weird, dark, unusual, very adult, anti-love stories or un, sort of like non-traditional love stories um, for any of your anti-Valentine's Day needs. So this is coming from Taylor. She also signs it, love Taylor, XOXO. So that's to all of you fans. She's dropping the L word a lot in this email to fans, but she does. She, Taylor's favorite segment is the one we're not doing today, which is fan questions. So there you go okay so she's got 10 movies here of movies that you can watch in and around valentine's day number one the piano teacher now have you seen that nope never heard of it i don't I, think i've heard of it but i haven't actually seen it either so I'm, I'm there's not much i have to say about that one so i'll probably just move on but the piano teacher number one number two secretary so another movie that I know I've seen parts of, but I don't think I've actually seen that movie. Um, ben, have you seen that? No, I don't think so. Yeah, if I'm, I'm trying to remember if I'm confusing it with something else, but yeah, the secre secretary is kind of a kind of an interesting movie. Um, so that's number two. Number three is a movie that I've definitely seen and is very interesting. It's called The Lobster, and it is actually from the same director of the movie The Favorite, which we're going to be talking about later on the show. The Lobster is very strange. It's a very interesting movie, very strange concept, definitely is themed to love in a sort of weird way now you haven't seen the no lobster. i saw it oh you did see it. oh yeah no oh, what you no, think mike said you're you're only allowed to appear on this <laughs> show if you go watch the lobster after seeing the favorite and uh no i think it's it's an excellent film um so my fiance who loves the wedding singer mm. hated the lobster oh, yes, and you, literally yes, just yes. didn't want to watch the last hour because there was for her there was nothing to grab onto uh grapple onto for me it was uh Oh, it was really interesting. I, I really enjoyed it. It reminded me back to the, the films I used to watch all the time, the weird dystopian films where the director has clearly told the actors to do different things than we yeah. expect, yeah. to cut against the grain, to give us a different experience. And in The Lobster, you have essentially either you're staying in a hotel and therefore you must find someone to be with in a period of 44 days or something where you yeah. become an animal of your choice. Yeah. Or you can run away and become just kind of a loner in the woods yeah. and hunted by the people who are in the hotel. It's basically like a, a way to control 
um, society and to control as at, you get to a certain age, you have to pair off yeah. um, and become part of society in that way, or you're basically, ch you're turned into an animal. And it's interesting because it's, it is obviously about a relationships and love and romance and everything, but I think at the key, it's about conformity and the, how you, you cannot choose to be in the middle. So yeah. Colin yeah. Farrell and Ra Rachel Weiss, who are both in the film, want to find this middle ground. Mm -hmm. And they're not allowed, and, and the film has an ending that tells you that they're not allowed. Yes. And it's, again, it's from the same director of The Favorite. So it, it kind mm -hmm. of fits into this out-of-worldly sort of way that the dialogue is. And even the, the we'll talk about it a little bit more with The Favorite, but even the way that camera is moving, like it's very different and unique and it's not something you're used to seeing. So there you go. Um, number four is True Romance, which I believe is the Christian Slater one, if I'm, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't know why that's on this list. I don't think that's a very good movie, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes Taylor puts things on this no, list. No, it's that weird, I don't agree though. With. Yeah, it is weird. It's, it's weird. A very strange movie. Um, but yeah, number four, true romance. So there you go. Um, number five, The Night Porter. I've never heard of this movie. Um, so that's number five on the list, The Night Porter. Um, just looking it up now to see if I can see anything uh, about it. 1974. Um, Okay, I know. I've, I've never After heard a chance movie. meeting at a hotel in 1957, a Holocaust survivor and the Nazi officer who tortured her resume their sadomasochistic relationship. Ooh. This sounds like a play. Interesting. That, and maybe it was a play turned into a film, but uh, that's, that's the setup for like theatrical drama where you mm -hmm. have two people stuck in a room with the past, right? Well, it doesn't say that it was based on a play, but the director was involved in creating the story and writing it, so that's mm. interesting. Okay, yeah, so there you go. But films at that time were obviously much more like plays. I mean, in the 70s, they were starting to transi transition into what they are now. But mm -hmm. this idea that you can have this very contained drama um, is really no longer part of hmm. our cinema. No, yeah. no, no, no. One of, my, one of my favorite movies that is contained is um, called Finder's Fee. And it's a very contained movie. It's, it's basically in an apartment during a poker game. It's hmm. set in there. And it's very confined. And, and it's, it's a thriller. And I think you get like this true, without going into horror, I think you, you immediately get into the thriller category if you confine people to a space. Like it automatically, I feel like, ups everything. Yeah, another film that I think would fit into this is Ex Machina. A recent yes. film, oh, which is yes. it's very much confined. Yeah. I mean, it does have it's very movie. much cinema because you're moving into all these different spaces, and it's very much a, I think, a well done cinematogra cinematographic piece. Yeah, um, but it's also it's also very contained. The drama is there are three people only yeah, yeah. in the film. The only other yeah. person you see is a helicopter pilot yeah. from a distance. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very contained movie. It's very good as well. Um, number six on the list is Harold and Maude, which I definitely would recommend. Um, that's a great movie. Um, Taylor, Taylor has this way of, of throwing these movies out that I've never heard of and then throwing out these movies that are really good. <laughs> so there you go. Harold and Maude. I wouldn't, six. I wouldn't say that Harold and Maude though is, is particularly dark. I'd say it's kind of a hopeful yeah film. but i mean it, yeah i wouldn't say it's particularly dark um but i understand why it would be on this list because i feel like it's it's not it challenges yeah, what valentine's day it, is exactly sure. like yeah. it, do, it goes against the grain of it um number seven the movie her which is wow like such a strange movie but very interesting um have you seen that one? Oh yeah yeah, yeah. her is is one of those movies that like 
I don't, I didn't even know what to think coming out of it. Great performances. Um, Joaquin Phoenix, fantastic in the movie, but such a strange, it, basically it's, it's about a, an operating system for your phone that becomes so sentient that he sort of falls in love and has this relationship with it. And it, it's one of those things where you think like, could our society actually go down this way where we have operating systems on our phones or tablets that are so intelligent, they seem like real people. Yeah, what I really like about her is that it, it is about relationships, it's about love and romance, and they fall in love in a way, or at least that's what you're led to believe. Um, but just like um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, it's a film that's about this, but it's also about something bigger. Yeah, yeah. It's about, I mean, her is about the future of, of our world mm -hmm. and what it will mean as our computers become more smart than we are. Moreover, computers and algorithms and artificial intelligence that know us better than we know ourselves. Yeah. This is already happening. Yeah. You know, you mentioned something and it's already going to give you an ad. Yeah. Many algorithms know that a woman is pregnant before she does. Yeah. Right. And yeah. obviously her is not about specifically those things, but it, it, it implies all of it. Uh, and to me, it's fascinating. And, and maybe this is my moment for my plug, Mike. I can actually, I forgot to do it earlier, that the show that I do is very much about those questions. Yeah. About what is our world looking like today? What is it going to look like in the future? It's, it's trying to dig deep into that. Yeah. Um, and I think that a movie like her or um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind again, and, you know, a couple of these other ones, The Lobster for sure. Absolutely. Is asking questions beyond just the relationship, but it's using that as the vehicle and vice versa too. Well, and I think, I think especially with her, you, the premise of it, starts you off on a foot of recognizing yourself and a lot of the characters you meet not just joaquin phoenix's character but all the people he interacts with like the idea of this sort of guy who goes about his business who does his work but then goes home and is very technology driven like he's always on his phone he's playing video games he's always yeah. like always interacting in that way is something we start to recognize in ourselves which i think that when movies like the lobster even does that where it's like the idea of being alone scares people so much that what if you were in a world where you're literally punished if you can't find that person to be with for the rest of your life? Like, that's an interesting thing to start with. Well, and moreover, I think the brilliance of her is that we also relate to her, yeah. right? We oh, understand definitely. why she takes the actions that she does. She's mm -hmm. human, even if she's superhuman, and we understand where she's going, and we think to ourselves, well, if I were in that situation, I wouldn't really do anything different. Yeah. Um, I would, well, I'm not going to give anything away in the movie, um, but... Yeah, there, there's a there's a part of that where I think the the brilliance of that film is they could have chosen to make her Hal Nine Thousand from Two Thousand One: yeah, A Space yeah, Odyssey, yeah. and and it would have that would have been a different film where maybe we laugh at the fact that he's falling in love, but from the first moment of that movie, it's really yeah. unquestionable why someone no. would. Yeah, and and once again, that podcast of Ben's, what on earth is going on? You can find it anywhere where you can get podcasts i think yeah and the website is wogopodcast.com w-o-e-g-o podcast.com i really want to have the website what on earth is going on.com but it'd probably cost me like a thousand dollars probably yeah <laughs> so so i have to give that acronym every single time wogo, WOGO. Number eight on Taylor's list is Heathers, uh, another movie that this movie, you know, is definitely fits into this category of, of you know, it's essentially a, it's ba basically Mean Girls before Mean Girls. It's kind of what Mean Girls is based on. It's the idea of sort of an outcast in high school and, and trying to 
to get involved and be with this clique of popular girls. Um, but, you know, romance comes into play in a, in a very strong way, as well as the idea of friendships and what's real and what isn't and how people treat each other. So Heather's is another uh, very, uh, very interesting movie. Um, definitely fits in here. Uh, number nine, Only Lovers Left Alive. I actually have not seen that um, or, or heard of that one. Um, ben, have you... No, I'm looking at it right now. Directed by uh, Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, I've never heard this one. So there, there you go. Only Lovers Left Alive. Uh, a Taylor recommendation, if I've ever heard one. Uh, number 10, Lars and the Real Girl. Love that movie. Another really great movie. Again, sort of talks about relationships in kind of a very different way, especially when it comes to friendships and the way you interact um, with people. So Lars and the Real Girl really enjoyed that movie as well. Yeah, I saw that a long time ago. Can I add an 11th on here? You can. So um, when I watched The Lobster as my precursor, my 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 mission to come on to the show today, I uh, it was reminding me of a, of a movie that I saw a few years ago. It's from 2006. It's called The Bothersome Man, mm. and it's a Norwegian movie. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. I haven't seen it, it's though. It's excellent. Uh, in Norwegian, I think it's like Der Bothersome Manen or something, and it's a very dystopian, dark film um, about, well, loneliness and, and also about being caught in a society without children hmm. but you want to be in that society because it's perfect there's one scene in the movie where you know he's at his stupid job and he's photocopying and it chops his finger off and then they take him away and he comes back and his finger is sewed back on and he's all fine hmm. it's it's perfect in every way except there are no children present hmm. and it takes us a while as the audience which i think is one of the the interesting choices that the film makes that we don't notice that until it becomes so obvious that that's what's been missing for 45 minutes. Um, and, you know, given that it's Valentine's Day coming up and you want an anti-love movie, <laughs> I would definitely say The Bothersome Man, the bothersome. 2005 or there you go. 2006 from Norway. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So Ben's got an 11th selection to Taylor's list. So I'll just quickly run through Taylor's list again. Number one, The Piano Teacher. Two, Secretary. The Lobster. True Romance. The Night Porter. Harold and Maude. Her. Heather's. Only Lovers Left Alive, and Lars and the Real Girls. There you go. There's a little disclaimer that Taylor added as well. Would not recommend this list for our 13-year-old fan. So, yes, uh, I believe uh, Katie is her name. Uh, and I think Dan is her father. Do not let her watch this. these movies. <laughs> They're a little bit, uh, I would say, a little bit adult for, for a 13-year-old. Okay, so moving on from, from that, that's our not ignoring that February 14th is coming up, but you know, giving a little bit of a nod to it. We do have some movies to talk about. The big one we're going to talk about is The Favorite. Um, but I do want to quickly mention two other movies that I saw. Um, one is Vice that is playing now at the screening room. Vice is one of the movies that has a huge amount of Oscar nominations, and rightfully so. I highly recommend people see this movie for the acting alone. I mean, the acting elevates this movie. If it wasn't for the stellar acting performances, I'd say, like, the structure of the movie and the directing is, like, okay. Um, it's from the same, Adam McKay, the same director who did uh, the big short a couple of years ago. It's very similar in style, but I don't think a lot of what worked in the big short kind of works in this movie. But the acting is so phenomenal that, that it's worth seeing. So Vice is playing at the screening room right now. I'm giving it a see it. Quickly mentioning that. Go, go check that movie out. 
Um, I also want to quickly mention the Lego Movie 2, the second part. Um, this is the fourth Lego Movie that has come out since the, the five years ago when the Lego Movie kind of hit theaters, but this is the direct sequel to the Lego Movie. Um, it is getting some mixed reviews out there. It's a phenomenal movie. It is such a well-put-together movie that has such a fantastic theme about growing up and what does that mean and what does growing up and being mature actually mean um, but also just the structure of the way they put these movies together the way of this like lego world interacting with the real world is so interesting and fascinating to me i think they did an amazing job it's it transcends for me a kids movie it's not just it's the same with the first lego movie it's not just a kids movie i put this in the same category as a lot of what pixar does and uh shrek and those types of movies where adults can enjoy it and there's something really interesting to say at the core of it so i wanted to give the lego movie to a shout out um it's now playing you can see it at like landmark cineplex in kingston but it's playing everywhere i'm giving it a see it as well um for our rating system because it, it's it's really good it's a great movie do you have all of these in a list somewhere like your see it's and don't see it's no Oh, you got to do that. We could. Yeah. yeah. No, we don't do No, we don't do that. Sorry. That's your, that's your on-air feedback. <laughs> there you go. Fan. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll take that under advice. Well, that's because <laughs> that would be perfect for me who am, I'm always looking for what should I see? Yeah. And, uh, I often have to miss an episode, but it would be great to see it in one place. Yeah. And if I'm going through Netflix, you know, I trust you guys and your opinion. It would be great to see in a, when one place, what it all yeah, is. We could, we could do like a review. Maybe we can recap everything from 2018 and throw out all the 2018 movies or something on a, like a list so everyone just has a list it. like you don't have yeah. to like write about it or anything yeah. yeah yeah okay well we'll we'll think about that i'll talk to Ted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe we'll see um ben okay. do you want to do that for us <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure someone out there listening could do that and go back and find all that but that would i don't always remember what i say um okay so let's talk about the favorite this is a movie that we both saw Taylor also sent some notes, but we'll get to that in a second. I've been talking enough. Ben, we're going to start with you. What did you think about The Favorite? I really enjoyed this film. Like I said, uh, I texted you after I saw it, and I said, you guys really want to you, you wanna do an episode on this because I think it, it explores a lot of what cinema can do really well. It also challenges, I think, what cinema can be, and I oh, think absolutely. a lot of people who would go to see this would be might even have a hard time. Um, watching it because it, it isn't always easy to understand what's going on. Um, much like The Lobster, but this is, yeah. I think, a little bit more accessible it, than it The is, Lobster. It is, with the exception to maybe one or two moments. Like what? Well, I, I, we don't do spoilers here, so we can't get into uh, too much. I know. We can get into a little bit. We can spoil a little well, bit. Well, how do you talk about this movie without talking <laughs> about the ending? I know it is. I, um, well, that, the ending is kind of near the end, at least is what I'm kind of talking about. Yeah. Some of the things that Emma Stone's character eventually does, Abigail, Right. there are a couple moments where I, where I felt like, okay, the lobster did go here, but I don't think you... I, I'm trying to remember. You saw it more recently than me. I don't think you saw as much of the sort of gruesome moments. No, I think the film maybe even... Sh so the, it was directed by uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. I think Lanthimos, I'm, yeah. Lanthimos, I yeah. think I'm saying it, yeah. And uh, he, I think, is even more on top of his craft than he was when he made The Lobster. Oh, absolutely. And by that, I mean he knows what to hide from you, yeah. what not to show you. Um, you know, The Lobster is actually... And I don't want to be spending too much time talking about The Lobster, but there's a lot of moments in that film where it... 
very crisply and for a long moment will show you what's going on. For example, when Colin Farrell kicks the shin of a kid, right? Yeah. We very clearly see this happen. We see yeah. the reaction. We kind of follow it along, and, and then it's done. And it's almost that it's so bare and in your face that you can't deny it. Yeah. There are things happening in The Favourite where you don't know what's actually no. happening. And I think that's the point. There's not only plot points and, and, and things that you see between characters, but visually it's hard to see what's happening yeah. too. He plays with lighting in a really interesting way. And when the first scenes of the movie came up, I thought, oh, this is a historical drama. I didn't read anything about it mm -hmm. coming into the cinema. This is a historical drama that is going to really represent as close to possible what it was like in 1708 under the reign of Queen Anne in England. So the th the fields are muddy and the costumes look a little bit old. They're not, mm -hmm. you know, this very pretty costume drama that yeah, we're used to. Yeah. But the best part was how the lighting was contained often to candlelight at night because yeah, yeah. that's all they had. They had yeah. candlelight and torches at night. And there's this this hallway between the Queen's quarters and the rest of her palace that the servants and Abigail and Rachel Weiss's character, Sarah Churchill, have to go down and they have to hold a candle as they do it. Yeah, it's really yeah. interesting because of the, the way it creates both a, a different lighting of the face, but also a suspense. There's things we yeah. can't see. Well, and that to me, that's what makes it almost harder to watch than in The Lobster because yeah, the lingering is like one way to do it where you linger on a moment too long and it makes you uncomfortable. I think what your imagination does for you and the things you can't see can make you more uncomfortable sitting there watching a movie. Yeah. And there are moments in this film where I felt more uncomfortable than I did in The Lobster. And I'm someone who never gets emotionally connected to a, to a movie because I know it's a movie and I'm more interested in the craft. So I don't get woven into the story but there were moments in this where i was just like what is happening like I, i'm feeling uneasy about it and i think that's a credit to this director like i think he did an amazing job with so it. so when you talk about discomfort and unease are you talking about emotional discomfort yeah like mainly emotional these characters yeah. and you don't like what's happening to them i think the the, the manipulation especially between what abigail and sarah like i felt so felt so much for what Anne was going through a lot. I mean, Anne's got her own quirks to her, but still this like idea of manipulating within friendships and the jealousy that came from that started, I felt was done in such a cool way that it was making me uncomfortable. And then there's a couple things like, again, I don't want to give away something that happens, but there's a, there's a, something that Abigail's character does a little unexpectedly a little later in the film that, to, was really shocking to me. So l let me ask you, is it similar to where she kicked, where in the lobster Colin Farrell kicks the shin of the girl? No, it's similar to what happens to Colin Farrell's dog. Yeah, okay, good. Okay, so, um, yes, there are, there are really a lot of moments in this film, the favorite, where the three main characters, they're all women, by the way, which is really important, and just a preface to this comment. Yeah. You have three female characters, and all of the men in the movie are complete irrelevant loser yeah, fops, which absolutely. I think is so important and absolutely. so powerful. So this film passes the so-called Bechdel's test, right? Does, mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. does it allow females to be on stage or on camera together talking about other things other than men mm -hmm. and, and not having to rely on men to have their wishes enacted, right? Yeah, yeah. And this film totally passes. I mean, it's absolutely. obvious that it passes this classic feminist test, right? And I think what's interesting about... The favorite is that all three of these characters, going back to what we were saying, are revealed at some point or another to be awful, malevolent, malicious people, that they are not good. And this is 
part, I think, of the bigger picture that the director's trying to create, which is that nothing in this film is straightforward. No. There's no moment, there's no emotion, there's no character, there's no storyline that is obvious and straightforward. The story is actually quite simple. The plotting is not mm -hmm. that complicated. For it's actually, I would even say, more straightforward than some of his previous films. Yeah. That I'll make you have to sort of a willing suspension of disbelief has to happen. Whereas I think in this movie, just like you're saying, you can sit down and go, okay, this is the plot. Like, the plot right. is relatively straightforward. Right. The setting is relatively straightforward. But it's in the characters, like you're saying, and the development of specifically these three characters, mm -hmm. and Sarah and Abigail, where you kind of are learning so much about them as you go that you're changing your mind about people as you go, which is a, the way I, well, the thing I love about cinema is it's real life in a fantastical way or in a, in a absurd way or in a different lens. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly what real life is because that's boring. So it's showing you exactly what happens to people and characters in life is there are different sides to people and you learn things about people as you go. And I found that process to be, interesting and as uncomfortable as if I knew these three people, if I knew them as my friends and suddenly went, whoa, you just did something that totally makes me see you in a new light. Right, but I, I would also say that by the end of the film, in no way was I rooting for any of the no, three characters, no, no. right? So at the beginning of the film, and, and I, this isn't really a spoiler because it's the sort of the opening predicament of the movie, Emma Stone's character starts from nothing. Yeah. In fact, she was sold in a card game mm -hmm. by her father mm -hmm. and is essentially as close to a slave as you could get in early 18th century England. Mm -hmm. She obviously wants to return because she has a noble blood in her. She wants to return to being a lady and she wants to use the queen and the court to do so. Yeah. And her and Rachel Weiss's character, Sarah Churchill, are jockeying to be the favorite, yeah. right? Yeah. But in doing so, they're not only mean to each other, they also are mean to the queen yeah, who they're yeah. trying to who serve trying and the queen is mean to not only them but everyone else there's yeah. the page who's standing there and the queen insists that she look at him he does and then said how dare you look at me right yeah, that's she, that's a good moment and, and olivia <laughs> coleman by the way is a, is a really brilliant actor and i really it's one of those movies when you watch it and you think i can't imagine any other actor doing as fine of a job with it as she did and the other thing i would say um about all three of these characters is that they were brave mm very brave in their choices to look and sound and and seem like garbage people yeah um you know and the making the royal court look like a really really awful place because these people are so awful yeah. and they look awful too you know that one of the first things that happens to emma stone is she files or falls into a pile of manure yeah. and has crap all over her face and rachel weiss and and i don't know this actor very well i haven't seen her in a lot of things um, in fact, the only other thing I think I've seen her in was The Lobster. Mm. She is so brave with her appearance because she and, and, and the sound of her voice because she, at no point do, does she let you in to make you think that you like her. She's yeah. completely unlikable. And yet, by the end of the film, she's if there's any character I'm wanting to like, it's her. But I can't because yeah, they're all can. so awful. No, no. It, and that's like that kind of is a good segue actually to talk about the acting a little bit because that I went into this movie really focusing on that because a lot of the awards I mean it's it's nominated all over the place but the fact that all three of them were nominated I have never left a movie going yeah I get it like this one I've never left a movie going other than maybe Vice where I went yep yeah, I could see why all three of them in everything they did in the way that they they performed the way they created these characters in every aspect and and dived into this world and just committed 
I came out of it going, yeah, I understand why they're all nominated for awards and could win some of them. Like it's, it's such a, to me, it was such a breath of fresh air to finally see a movie. And again, I felt very similar in, in aspects of vice where it's like, this is pure, this is what acting is. This is what the craft of acting is that I think is becoming less and less relevant and it's more becoming more and more about the filmmaker and the world and the creation which is fine but still this is like acting at its finest i think is is these three together and yeah there's to nothing about this film that isn't enhanced by the actors and yeah. by that i mean i mean think about it there are a lot of movies out there where there's huge long sequences that really have nothing to do with the acting. That, that, yeah. that the acting could be great or poor, it doesn't matter, that's not what it's about. There's not a single moment in this film where the acting isn't crucial to the frame and not just the scene or the sequence of the movie. And I read a little bit of, uh, about the film in advance and how it was made, and they actually spent three weeks in rehearsals mm. uh, before making this movie, getting comfortable with each other and making sure that the three of them would be okay doing anything in front of the other so yeah. you know yeah. crazy embarrassing theater exercises so that by the end of it um you can look like a loser and you don't in front of your yeah. your fellow cast members and yeah. in front of the crew and in front of the director and it liberated them to be fully human um and it reminds me of the film gone girl oh, yes, um, yeah. which i really i really love that movie and more than anything for one reason which is that the the central character is of course a woman but she's also a fully formed person mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. did really, really bad things. Mm -hmm. Think of any movie with a male serial killer. Well, the, the interesting thing about those movies, whatever they are, is that they want to make you understand that this serial killer is more than just a murderer. Hmm. They have other things going on in their mind. They're deeper people. And as awful as that sounds, that makes them more interesting. It makes it the film more interesting. Yeah. Who cares about a serial killer unless you make them a dynamic three-dimensional character? Absolutely. Never been done for me with, with a woman before hmm. until Gone Girl. Gone Girl. And what this film does is bring that same multifaceted personality to each of these three individuals so that they can do awful things but they don't become villains in doing so they become human beings who are forced in an in a terrible circumstance or are just trying to and really that the theme of the film can be seen as the the rise and fall of three women well and i think like okay so the theme is something i want to touch upon too because one of the really interesting things for me about this movie was that i actually came out of it with two very strong themes that I've seen before but never executed in this way. The the idea that power corrupts, like absolute power corrupts absolutely, that that's definitely in there as well, the idea of power dynamics, but getting what you want all the time is not always good for you is one theme that came out of this film constantly because every time one character one-upped each other or got to a moment of, oh, I'm getting everything that I wanted, things get taken away very fast and and the the sort of reality of who these people are kind of comes through in these awful people but this this theme of if you get what you want it's not necessarily the best thing for you if you get everything that you want and i thought that that was something that like was a theme that screamed to me in a way that i've seen before but never executed in this way i really agree with your second theme i think it is a lot about getting everything that you want i mean but at the same time, none of the characters get everything that they no, want. They're no. all, all three of them are lacking in something. But they're striving for it. Like they're, yeah. the constant battle for them is trying to get everything that they want. Totally. But there's a hole in each of them that can never mm -hmm. be filled. For mm -hmm. example, Queen Anne, and this is historical, so I'm not giving anything away, 
lost every single child that she had, yeah. and I think there were 17 children, the same number of bunnies, yeah, bunnies the queen that has in the yeah. movie, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what she associates with her lost children. So there's this hole in her heart that as, a, as an older woman, she can never fill. Yeah. Um, Abigail will never truly be the proper woman and she'll never recover from the abuse that she suffered as a child ever it's impossible and rachel weiss can never ever truly ever be the queen she can't do it mm -hmm. she doesn't have it in her blood to properly be the person that she probably thinks that she deserves she should be um but 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 i will say that the first one you mentioned about power corrupting i would i would challenge that and, and play devil's advocate i think that this is a film that shows you that all humans are already corrupted before mm, they even I arrive. Yeah. So that in no way does power... There's a, there's a moment in the movie about halfway through where one of the characters achieves her objective. Yeah. She gets what she wants, yeah. and then she turns around and becomes vicious as a result. I think she was already vicious all along. She was waiting for this. It's not like it unleashed something in her that wasn't no, there. No, but maybe it's more that the power gave the opportunity for that to be unleashed in a way that it never did. And like that's you, like right. power gives you the opportunity to right, sort which of is show a rephrasing yeah. of your of your theme. So I'm yeah. thinking. So the, the 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 classic line goes: absolute power corrupts absolutely. I would say absolute power or power reveals that yeah. which is already corrupt. Yeah, and that's Definitely. why this film talks about the human condition and Definitely. that humanity or human beings given a situation like this will act like monsters yeah. uh, even though this film is about love and, and romance i mean these three women all engage in in sex and love uh and yet it's done much of the time with a very different motive absolutely and yeah. you know coming up to valentine's day obviously many relationships are based not on love but on other things, mm -hmm. uh, on maybe dark and malicious things as, as they are in this film. And I think what this, what the director is revealing and what the writers and the actors are revealing is what is already latent in, in us, or not even latent, what may be actually driving us. I think the, the need to dominate drives these three women from, from start to finish. And, and whether it's revealed or lit by the candles of, of power, in this movie, they exist from start to finish. So I want to address the ending a little bit, but without giving too much away. But but I want to read some of Taylor's comments here. Taylor sent us in a few comments because, as everyone listening knows, she loves this director, um, and she liked the favorite. Duh. Um, but here's just some comments about that. Taylor has about the film and then the ending, and I and I want to kind of get your opinion on this, Ben. So she says that the movie captures the absurdity of the times, brutality of life but that she suspects this can be something that can push the casual film goer too much and too far, resulting in a poor movie experience. Some will find this ending unsatisfying. But, you're, but you wouldn't be surprised, obviously, if you know this director about you know different things that you do about that. But it's food for thought that Taylor wanted to give that you might find this ending unsatisfying. What do you think about that? Like, how did you, how did you come out of this film at the end? And do you feel like there are moviegoers out there that might be pushed too far? Yes, and I don't care. Uh, and so my, my reaction to what Taylor says is I totally agree, and I don't care. Hmm. If you don't want to see movies like this, then don't see movies like this. And I'm not going to go see Transformers. Um, and it's, if it's not for you, then so be it. Just because maybe it'll win a bunch of awards doesn't mean that it's to your taste. It's going to ask questions of you that if you are brave enough and as brave as the actors are, 
then you will be better for having asked them. And I think that the end, and you know, it's, it's in a way the film is like broccoli, right? It's, it's difficult in many ways. But if you eat enough broccoli, you know when the broccoli is really good. Mm-hmm. And this is an example of really well-sourced, organic, <laughs> no pesticides broccoli. And at the end of the film, I'm not going to give away what actually happens, but there is certain ambiguity. But I also think that it's only ambiguity in plot. There is no ambiguity in the feeling you leave with. Oh, absolutely. No, I totally agree with that. And I think that, yeah, I I think your point is exactly right. Go into this movie having a sense of what you're going into. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. Like I, in my theater, I had a couple leave. Um, because they just couldn't handle it, and I, I, the same thing happened when I saw the lobster. Right like, when Chilean, you have to know. yeah, when when my when my fiance didn't finish the lobster, I yeah. mean that wasn't for her, and I'm not blaming her no, for it. No, but some people might not be able to to either handle it or it's just not for them. It, it, they can handle it, but it's just this isn't the type of movie for me, and I could see that. Right, but I think what gets me. Uh, passionate about it though is when people who leave and say that it wasn't any good yes rather than yeah. saying i'm no good yeah <laughs> <laughs> which i'm not saying you should say but maybe you should entertain for a bit that you might just not be you, you might not be at the level of this movie yeah um and that's okay and and that's that's not to say that this the level of this movie is above something else it's just different the levels of oh, things are different well i don't know i'm just teasing <laughs> I Mike. Think, i think there's uh, to me when i go to see a movie if I go to see the, the favorite and I go to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm. I want I have completely different expectations for both, but not in a one above the other way. In a way of I want Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to be the best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles it could possibly be, but understanding that that is completely different than what I'm going to be getting out of the favorite moonlight or these uh, other types of movies but there is something to be said about the merit and i always go back i think every film has the equal amount of merit meaning we don't need any of these things but we have them and they're a way to look at ourselves they're a way to look at society they're a way to entertain but there is to me there is perfect a perfectly fine merit to sort of each level of those things okay but what's better on a plate a big mac or the broccoli Sometimes you just want a Big Mac. That's right. But I didn't ask you what tastes better. I said, what's better? Like for you? Yeah. Well, broccoli. Well, what's better overall? Probably. Broccoli. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about the compare. Like, I don't think, I don't think that the favorite is necessarily better for you than, than something else. Than Transformers? Well, okay. Don't no, or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I get what you're saying. You know. Hold on. And, I, and maybe we're, we're prefacing the debate that we will one day have. Oh, we're going to have but, this debate, yes. But, I mean, here's what I'm trying to, to get at. If I am going to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Transformers or the new Aladdin movie or whatever I'm going to go see, I know what I'm getting into, mm-hmm. and I might have a great time. Right? Mm-hmm. This was the Mamma Mia 2 conversation that you guys <laughs> had some time ago that I wrote yes. in about, right? Yeah. You might have a great time watching it. It doesn't mean it's any good. No. Just because a Big Mac tastes great. Oh, man, I go to McDonald's when I'm not, when, I, when I'm wanting to kind of binge on something gross, but I'm going to feel like crap and it's not as good for me as mm-hmm. broccoli. Now, am mm-hmm. I saying that the favorite is broccoli? Well, I guess I am, but broccoli can taste delicious. And I, I and I, I've, this I've metaphor never had is it not that actually the, delicious. But what's that? I've never had broccoli in a delicious way. Come on. Never. You know what the good thing about broccoli is? Is that it soaks up whatever flavor it's given to it more than any other vegetable because it's got all those little tiny florets, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you dip broccoli in gravy, 
you could dip it in the sauce they put in the Big Mac, and it's delicious because the way it soaks it up right. and it has that crispy, crunchy sort of flavor. Yeah. Broccoli on its own steams. I mean, you don't know yeah. what you're doing, obviously. Yeah, no, but it's not. It's not so what I'm trying to say, <laughs> this this food metaphor is not serving me as well as I'd like it to. That's but, fine. But yeah, I mean, I mean, we can be hierarchical about about what is good and what is bad if we want to, and there's nothing. I mean, sure. I mean, we can be completely open and laissez-faire about everything and say nothing is better than anything. But that seems to me like it's doing a disservice to films that are truly good, truly thought through, that workers, that actors worked hard on to mm -hmm. achieve. Mm -hmm. And I think that a movie like The Favorite is, a, is an example of a piece of art mm -hmm. that has been labored over over movies that are like the seventh sequel yeah. that has been labored yeah. over, sure. Yeah, and I think like I think the specific example of Transformers is a bad one because those movies are terrible and and are bad for you, just like a Big Mac is. But I okay, I'll bring up Captain America Civil War. That is a movie that is well thought out, well put together, and as far as I'm concerned, a piece of art, but it's a different piece of art. It is completely different than the favorite in a lot of ways, and there are actors who spend a lot of time. Like, I can break down for you, scene for scene, why Robert Downey Jr. gives his best performance of his career in that movie, but he'll never win an Oscar for it because it's different. It's so, a different type of art, and it, and even though it's it's on a different level than the favorite, I don't know if one is necessarily above the other, but they're different. Sure. They're completely different plateaus. It's like comparing your metaphor of, like, broccoli to a bison. Like they're both good for you, but in completely different ways. Right. Yeah. No. That that I think that makes sense. I would just say, what is Captain America: Civil War asking? What's it like? Like in yeah. The film? What's the question it asks you when you watch it? Um, to uh, how much control should society have on the actions of the individual? Okay. What question does Mamma Mia Two ask you? Why am I here? Yes, yes. <laughs> what, que what, what question does the favorite ask? Well, I think the favorite to me asks multitudes of questions. Yes. Because one of the, like, to me, again, like, m the main theme I really got out of this was, was all about getting what you want. And the question I asked myself coming out of it is, how would I behave if I did get everything I want? Like that's what, but but I, but I know that's only a layer to it. There's, a, I think the favorite has so so many layers to it that there isn't a singular question. But I think there are multitudes of questions that come out of it. But but again, for me, that was the, that's what I got out of the film, and I feel like someone else might got something different. I, no, for sure, and and I think that's the what a work of art does is it asks different people different questions. Yeah, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. So yeah, I got that question from the favorite, but I also got the question, who deserves to survive? Hmm. Who of these That's characters, who in this world deserves to live? And you're, and you're, and you're talking about physically survival. I'm talking about, well, just... no, I'm talking about two things. I'm talking about physical survival, mm -hmm. but I'm also talking about your survival as, as, a, as a being. Do you mm -hmm. think that the queen would wish to live in a world that she wasn't the queen anymore? Mm -hmm. Probably, Probably not, not, especially no, with all of no. her disabilities. And not, would... the way, not the way she carries herself and is used to her life. Like, I right. feel like there's no other alternative for her. Right. Would Abigail choose to go back to where she came from, where she was coming in on a carriage and falling no. into a pile of crap? No, there's no way. No. Um, and yet she's willing to make sacrifices to change who she is. Does she therefore deserve to survive in this world? And by survive, I mean to, to, to become a person that can protect yourself against the very first thing that happens. The reason she falls in the pile of manure is because she's pushed yeah. <laughs> by a man who is 
pleasuring himself while looking at her in the carriage, mm-hmm. right? It's, a, it's an awful, grotesque setup right at the start of the film that says women are treated like mm-hmm. garbage in, this, in mm-hmm. this world. However, they have all the power in this particular world. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because just to, not to go back too far, but the point of of sympathetic towards characters, you're almost like as an audience right off again, and this is a spoiler because it happens right at the beginning. You, you're kind of looking at Emma Stone's character quite sympathetically to begin with. At yes. least like, but but then again, it, it really plays with that feeling throughout this, where I think, yeah, by the end of it, you do feel bad rooting for someone which is which is a very interesting take in terms of the film like i again i i had the same thought you did coming out of it. i was like i don't really know who i who i'm sitting here feeling sympathy for anymore because to me it was so right all over and that's what i mean when it asks the question who deserves to live in the in the first moments of the film obviously emma stone's character deserves to survive and deserves to thrive and deserves mm-hmm. to become a lady again and mm-hmm. deserves to get married and have all the things that she wants. We are asked that question repeatedly, and that's going back to what I said about there's nothing about this movie that is straightforward. Mm-hmm. There's no moment in which you can just rest and say, okay, this is a good guy. Every Tom Hanks movie you've ever seen, and credit to him, I think he's a wonderful actor, the one thing you know is that he's a good guy. Yeah, I, don't, but, I don't know if there's any exceptions society-wise, you can't make tom hanks a bad guy though he's everyone's uncle or dad or but it's not just tom but right but it's not just tom hanks it's the character he's playing yeah so from the beginning of the movie just by casting him we know that i can rest on the assumption that this guy is good in the same way that i can rest on the assumption that at the end of every star trek episode captain picard or captain james t kirk will live on until the next one right I remember there was a sense uh, with the with the, film, the TV show 24 hmm. that the one thing you could count on was Kiefer Sutherland. He would never betray you. Every single other person in that TV series might be the bad guy. Yeah. Every single other person. And then you have a show like Homeland mm-hmm. with Claire Danes, which becomes a show. No, no, she can trick you, too. She can be two-faced. She can be morally corrupt at some points, right? And I'm, I know I'm going on a tangent here. What I'm trying to say is, is that... There are certain things that films almost always try to let you assume from the beginning. The, the Fugitive, for example, Harrison Ford. Brilliant, brilliant movie that very quickly establishes for you that he's a good guy. Yeah. He's not only innocent of the crime, but he's also willing to help someone, even if it means he might get caught mm-hmm. and put back in jail. Mm-hmm. He's willing to put himself on the line to make sure some kid in some hospital lives who has nothing to do with him. It sets us up as an untarnished good guy. Mm -hmm. The favorite at every single turn frustrates your desire to rely on knowledge about this world. And that is why I think maybe some people leave because they just wish, can you just tell me who's who, who's good, who's bad? What should I be rooting for? And then give me your weird ending and I'll accept it. Yeah. Yeah. That's again, that's what people like. They, they want, just like you're saying, they want to go into it and say, these are the good people. These are the bad people. This is who I'm rooting for. And that's it. But yeah, this movie challenges that constantly. You, you don't I agree exactly with what you said about, you don't really have a breathing moment in this movie. Not in, not in the same way that you're, you're, your you know Mad Max Fury Road's first 30 minutes where you can't breathe because there's so much action. But this is a movie where 
it's hard to breathe throughout because there's so much going on and you're taking in so much you're learning so much about people that i don't think you have a moment i i never had one second where i went okay i know who this person is i know how i yeah. feel about them and there you go i, I never had that i remember watching the fellowship of the rings the first lord of the rings movie when it came out in theaters and i remember having to go pee so bad <laughs> and it was about like two hours in and it was right at the big battle and just as the major climax was happening i went out i ran i went pee i came back and okay i missed some plot points and yeah. i missed some action but actually all of the pieces on the chessboard were still on the same side yeah. it was yeah. still black and it was still white on the same spaces and the knight still moved like an l shape yeah. right yeah. in the favorite and in movies like the favorite like the lobster if you miss five minutes you may have missed the director telling you yeah. hey this is what this film is about or maybe this film is going to be about this for the next 10 minutes and then it's going to metamorphize again in a few yeah. minutes after yeah. that and that i think is a rewarding experience for those who choose to put in the time like a good book yes you know reading a book is not like watching tv or a movie because it doesn't just happen to you you have to yeah. put the time in and a film like the favorite you do have to lean forward a bit and make sure you're hearing it properly and that, that it is a well executed of what you're saying as well that and i think that's an important thing because sometimes films and tv shows try to play with your expectations and fail this is a well executed version of what you just described this you know you you leave and you come back and you and you could miss something and it's done in a very clever well done way so that's i mean that's something i just want to throw in there because i have seen your star trek reference is great it's one of the reasons why star trek discovery is a piece of garbage is because they try to go against that trope like this person's good this person's good no this person's bad but all characters are terrible that it, it literally you don't care about anything and it doesn't work so they tried to do something different with star trek and it just doesn't work not because star trek is sacred but because you didn't execute it well if you execute it well people will like it yeah it's like putting broccoli in into a Big Mac. Yeah. Wouldn't taste very good. I eat Big Macs and I enjoy them because there's no broccoli in them. Mm -hmm. I I <laughs> guess I'm probably coming off as a complete snob and that's totally fair. Um, but I still do enjoy um, going to, uh, maybe I would enjoy Transformers if I saw it. I don't know if I would. Probably not. But, but if I know that I'm expecting a pile of garbage directed by someone who, you know, there was that thing a few years ago where he went on stage and the teleprompter wouldn't work and he couldn't talk. Yeah. He, he just no, could he, he just left the stage. He couldn't do it. Seems no. to me like he's just an empty vessel who's just making no, money. No, he is. And, and I mean, to me, what I look forward to is our debate, the favorite versus Captain America Civil War. I look forward to that debate that one day we will have because I feel like, again, Michael Bay and Transformers are the... Are not good examples no. of the Big Mac. No, because they're, they, no, they're not even the Big Mac. We, they're, they're Arby's. They're, they're Arby's or they're, they're, they're something you found on the side of the road and you ate. Like, it, it's not, that's not even a Big Mac. That's not even something that you eat for pleasure that you know, you know, isn't necessarily good for you, but like, whatever, you eat it once, it's not I bad for you. I would say that, that, that the Marvel movies are actually, uh, what's that restaurant called? It's in Kingston, Harper's Burger Bar. Oh, Harper's, absolutely. Right? You That's and a I great went there. Example. You yes. and I went there. Yeah. Um, Mike and I go for dinner all the time. Absolutely. And <laughs> we had these delicious, massive, fat burgers and milkshakes and fries, and it was totally disgusting, but it was great. And I think that you can you can go to Harper's Burger Bar and have a really good meal absolutely. and feel satisfied. You can, like I because challenge anyone to have a Big Mac and it's feel a good like, afterwards. It's, 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 you've got McDonald's, then you've got Five Guys, then you've got Harper's. Like, oh, it's Mike, climbing are you the saying ladder. there's a hierarchy? Well, oh. 
the, there's a, there's a ladder of burgers. Interesting. There may be there's a ladder of films. Burgers aren't art. Oh. <laughs> I'm so, no, I don't, yeah, I don't well, agree okay, with Subway. So trend, Sandwiches okay, are but, not but, okay, art. No, oh, th- well, this is a good point. I know we're getting towards the end, but if we were to compare, say, The Favorite with The Godfather, Mm-mm. two pieces that most people, I think, would consider art. Yes, I would say so. Well, are we putting them on a hierarchy? I don't think that they, mm-hmm. I don't think I would ever say that one is better than the other. No, I would say that together they are better than again transformers yes marvel movies okay i i see that you but know maybe there's a different comparison either. transformers isn't art either though. well would again. you say that to the visual effects guy who worked on it yes okay because he didn't do a good job because there's still green screen left in that but anyway we'll talk about transformers <laughs> later. we are unfortunately at the end of the show and we can't do not a great plan because we had a, such a great discussion but that's okay but anyway we're gonna we're gonna finish off with taylor says see this movie i give it a see it as well ben our rating system see it i'm trying to come up with something clever yeah just see it go see it no 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 (laughs) see it and if you don't like it like i don't know don't say anything i'm gonna end off today with the way taylor always ends off go see some movies